Ladies and gentlemen, on your behalf, I am pleased to introduce today's speaker. The Honorable Joe Oliver is Canada's newly minted finance minister. News of his role announced three weeks ago traveled fast, particularly here in Toronto, where the minister represents the Toronto riding of Eglinton Lawrence. With a shift in focus from natural resources to the nation's finances, the Honourable Minister has his sights set on a balanced budget. This is not without challenges. The economy is being called sluggish, our loony continues to fluctuate, and increasingly our financial health is often contingent not only on the health of our southern neighbour, but the world economy generally. But Minister Oliver has a plan for that. He recently introduced the Economic Action Plan 2014 Act No. 1 as part of the implementation of the government's budget, the target of which is to return to a balanced budget in 2015 and to promote job creation and support families and communities and stimulate infrastructure investments and trade and resource development. Investments and resource development come naturally to the federal minister. Prior to his election to parliament in 2011, he had an investment banking career, which he began at Merrill Lynch. He went on to hold senior positions at other investment dealers, including Nesbitt Thompson. He was executive director of the Ontario Securities Commission before being appointed president and chief executive officer of the Investment Dealers Association of Canada. The Harvard MBA graduate also played a prominent role as chair of the advisory committee of the International Council of Securities Associations. He was also chair of the consultative committee of the International Association of Securities Commissions. Before I relinquish the podium to the Minister, I would like to encourage our live audience to take this opportunity to join the conversation by filling out the question cards that are available at your table. Volunteers will be by to collect them. And now, Minister Oliver, the Canadian Club of Toronto's podium, Canada's podium of record, is yours. Thank you very much, Gordon, and good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. I'm very pleased to have the privilege of addressing the Canadian Club of Toronto for my first speech as Minister of Finance. For more than a century, your club has been an eminent public affairs podium. And as your mission so accurately states, you provide a leading platform to encourage Canadians on what matters most. C'était un grand honneur pour moi d'arriver à être nominé par le Premier ministre à ce poste et je dois m'occuper de nombreux enjeux qui sont de première importance pour les Canadiens et les Canadiennes. I was deeply honoured when the Prime Minister named me to this post because it deals with so many of the very issues that matter so much to Canadians. To start, because I am among friends, let me give you a back story of what happened. So I was uh, sitting on a plane at uh, Pearson Airport just before takeoff to Vancouver when my BlackBerry buzzed, which wasn't terribly unusual. It was an email from my staff who said that the Prime Minister wanted to speak to me, but no indication about what that was about. And that was unusual. And then seconds later, another email arrived, this time from my wife, saying, the PM wants to speak to me. Okay, I got it. But then, the plane takes off. So I have five hours to contemplate what it might mean. You know, it could be good or not. 
Well, you know what uh, the rest of the story uh, says. So now what I want to talk about are my priorities and the principles that will be guiding me in my new portfolio. And let me get right to the point. As finance minister, my top priority will be creating jobs and economic growth right across the country. I'll be building on our economic action plan, which started as a response to the global financial crisis in 2008. The crisis originated elsewhere, but a sharp decline in demand for goods and services materially affected our economy. <clears throat> when the recession hit, we responded by implementing one of the largest and most effective economic stimulus plans in the world. Our actions included historic investments in infrastructure, encouraging businesses to invest, and helping them avoid layoffs. We also made substantial new investments in skills training. We extended support for workers who lost their jobs. As a result, during those difficult years, Canada outperformed most other G7 economies, and for that, we can thank the Prime Minister and my predecessor, Jim Flaherty. Since the recession, <clears throat> well deserved. Since the recession, we've had the strongest job creation record in the G7, better than the US, better than the UK, better than Germany. In fact, the Canadian economy created over one million net new jobs since 2009. And these are good, solid jobs. 65% in high-wage industries, 88% full-time, 82% in the private sector. Furthermore, Canadian households have seen an almost 10% increase in their after-tax income under our government and more than 45% increase in their net worth. Last Friday, Statistics Canada reported that the Canadian economy created almost 43,000 new jobs in March, three-quarters among youth, and that our unemployment rate dipped below 7%. Economic growth leads to more jobs, higher incomes, and more opportunity. In short, it leads to long-term prosperity for Canadian families. Moreover, a strong, vibrant, growing economy generates tax revenues without having to raise tax rates. And this revenue is used to fund important social programs such as health care, education, retirement benefits, and financial support for families. These are programs that you and I rely on and help make Canada the great country that it is. You know, because at the end of the day, economics is about people, our standard of living, and our quality of life. But while Canada's economy is doing relatively well, we know there is much more to do. Too many Canadians are still looking for work. Workers fearful about losing their jobs. Pensioners anxious about their finances. Families worried about the increased cost of living and whether they're going to make ends meet. And parents concerned about their children and their future. And I empathize with these concerns. And our government is tackling the challenges head on. We understand that the global economy has fundamentally changed and Canada needs to adapt. 
And that is why, a few years ago, our plan shifted from short-term stimulus to a broader, more comprehensive plan to ensure we could compete with the emerging economies of the 21st century. When the Prime Minister articulated the issue in his speech to the World Economic Forum in July 2012, he said, Western nations face a choice of whether to create the conditions for growth and prosperity or to risk long-term economic decline. Canada's choice will be, with clarity and urgency, to seize and to master our future, to be a model of confidence, growth, and prosperity in the 21st century. Since then, we have relentlessly implemented our plan for jobs, growth, and long-term prosperity. And our plan has a number of key pillars. First and foremost, keep taxes low and create a strong business climate. Businesses create jobs, and growing businesses create more jobs. We are in a competitive global economy. We're no longer competing only with the United States and Europe for jobs, investment, and workers. Now we must compete against China, India, Brazil, and other developing countries. For our businesses to grow and succeed, our tax rates must be competitive and our business climate stable and welcoming. Bottom line, no country can tax its way to prosperity, and we will not go down that well-trod path to economic decline. Our plan is working. Canada's total business tax costs are now the lowest in the G7, and more than 40% lower than those in the United States. In 2013, Canada leapt from sixth to second place in Bloomberg's ranking of the most attractive places to do business. Our second pillar is connecting Canadians with available jobs. There are sectors of the economy and regions of the country that have skilled job shortages, yet too many people are still unemployed. Our government has taken action through the Canada Job Grant, an innovative way of delivering training that will lead to a guaranteed job. We've improved the employment insurance system to ensure that those on EI are receiving more up-to-date information on jobs in their area. We're reforming the temporary workers program to ensure that Canadians get the first crack at available jobs and that employers that do employ temporary foreign workers have a plan to transition to a Canadian workforce. Third, we are opening new markets, new markets for our exports. Canada is a great trading nation with a relatively small population. Indeed, more than half our economy is based on our ability to export our goods and services. One in five jobs in Canada is tied to trade. To keep growing our economy, we must secure new markets for our products. About six months ago, the Prime Minister announced an agreement in principle on a comprehensive economic and trade agreement with the European Union, the largest economy in the world, an agreement that eclipses NAFTA in size and scope. Last month, he also introduced, he also announced that we concluded negotiations with the Republic of Korea, Canada's first free trade agreement with an Asian country. Altogether, we have signed trade and investment agreements with over 30 countries since 2006. These agreements will create new opportunities for Canadian businesses and workers 
in all parts of the country. Fourth, we are responsibly developing our natural resources. Since Canada's first days, since its early days, our economy has been built on our abundant natural resources. Directly and indirectly, the natural resource sector employs 1.8 million Canadians, many in skilled, high-paying jobs. Resource development generates over $30 billion annually in revenue to governments to fund health care, education, and other, other social programs that Canadians have come to rely on and to cherish. We are extraordinarily fortunate to have vast natural resources, sufficient to fuel a growing economy and supply energy and other resources to a resource-hungry world for generations to come. However, for Canadians to benefit fully from our natural resources, we must diversify our markets to the burgeoning economies of the Asia-Pacific region. But inadequate infrastructure threatens to strand these resources just when global demand for Canadian energy is soaring. That is why we are determined to deliver our resources to market. Fifth, we're investing in world-class research, innovation, and technology. Not everyone knows that we lead the G7 when it comes to investing in post-secondary research. We know that science and technology investments help Canadian businesses remain competitive while creating high-paying jobs. Our challenge is to take our research from the laboratory to the marketplace. To stay competitive in the global, the global economy, we must commercialize the brilliant ideas of our scientists and engineers. And that is why, since 2006, we have invested billions to support innovative companies in Canada. Some of these initiatives are the Venture Capital Action Plan, the Automotive Innovation Fund, Sustainable Development Technology Canada, the Strategic Aerospace and Defence Initiative, and the transformed National Research Council. Alongside substantial new investments in post-secondary research, including the Canada First Research Excellence Fund, which was announced in Budget 2014. In addition, the new Building Canada Plan, announced earlier this year, will see our government invest over $53 billion in infrastructure across the country over the next 10 years. For Ontario, this represents approximately $11 billion in dedicated funding, a significant amount here in Toronto. Low taxes, connecting Canadians with available jobs, opening new markets, supporting businesses, and investing in research, technology, innovation, and infrastructure. These are the pillars of our economic action plan. Later this week, I'll be participating in meetings of the G20 finance ministers and the International Monetary Fund in Washington. I'm fortunate to attend these meetings as the finance minister of a country with strong economic fundamentals that are the envy of the world. Both the IMF and the OECD expect Canada to be among the strongest growing economies in the G7 over this year and next. We have the lowest net debt of any developed country. Canada's net debt is one-third the size of the economy, half, half the average of the G7 economies. Our credit rating is superb. 
We're only one of a handful of countries that has a triple-A credit rating, which means we pay less for our debt. And crucially, we will balance the budget next year. Canadians... Canadians understand what happens when they spend more than they earn. They end up in debt and are saddled with interest payments that erode their ability to afford necessities and save for retirement. Most people understand that budgets do not balance themselves any more for governments than for families. So a balanced budget flows from sound fiscal management that creates a stable business climate leading to increased investment, new jobs, and more growth. We have projected a deficit of $2.9 billion this year, plus a cushion of $3 billion to adjust for emergencies. Next year, we are projecting a surplus of over $6 billion, plus the cushion. Canadians should be proud of this tremendous accomplishment. Stark illustrations from around the world from Detroit to Athens, demonstrate the dire consequences when governments spend more than they take in. For the third year in a row, we've reduced direct program spending, something few governments have done in decades. This commitment to balanced budgets and sound fiscal management protects important social programs. In fact, it enables us to increase funding for health care, education, and retirement income. Again, this is not something that just happens. For example, the federal budget was balanced in the 1990s by cutting funding to the provinces for health care and education. During the next year, many suggestions will be put forward from all parts of the country and all walks of life. And I welcome the ideas and I encourage the conversation. However, I want to be clear about two things. First, our government will not engage in reckless new spending schemes that would lead to increased taxes or higher debt or both. Notre gouvernement n'engagera pas de nouvelles dépenses imprudentes qui feront augmenter les impôts ou la dette ou tous les deux. We work too hard to return to a balanced budget to throw it all away. So do not expect a big stimulus program. Second, once the budget is balanced, our priority will be to provide tax relief to hardworking Canadian families. Lorsque l'équilibre budgétaire sera rétabli, notre priorité consistera à alléger le fardeau fiscal des familles canadiennes qui travaillent sans relâche. And that is what we committed to do in the, in the last election. That is what we have delivered. And that is what we are going to continue to do. Our government has continuously lowered taxes, sales taxes, income taxes, business taxes. As a result of the Government of Canada's strong tax record of tax relief, an average family of four will pay up to $3,400 less in taxes in 2014. In addition, seniors are now receiving about $2.8 billion in additional targeted tax relief as a result of our actions. This means a senior couple saves over 
$2,300 a year. Small business with $500,000 in taxable income will save over $28,000 in taxes next year, money that can be reinvested in their businesses to help them grow and prosper. We believe Canadian families still pay too much in tax. Canadian families are the backbone of our communities and our country. When they prosper, the country prospers. And that is why we will provide tax relief for Canadian families once the budget is balanced. So in conclusion, let me reiterate that Canada's economy is strong and getting stronger. My priority is to grow the economy and create jobs. Due to the hard work of our government, we will balance the budget next year. And this will allow us to keep our commitment to provide tax relief so Canadian families can keep more of what they earn rather than hand it over to the government. During this year and next, my colleagues and I will be traveling around the country, listening to Canadians and considering your ideas about how we can make the greatest country in the world even better. Thank you for listening. Minister, thank you so much for your remarks. We have uh, time for a few questions. Uh, the first is, um, what are the sources of the top priorities you want to accomplish in the first 100 days? Or what are some of the top priorities you want to accomplish in the first 100 days? Well, the, the first issue that we're, we're looking at in Parliament right now is passing the Budget Implementation Act which is the, the act that encompasses the material in the budget. Uh, we'd like to get um, bipartisan or multipartisan support. Uh, we don't think we will, uh, but there will be an opportunity uh, for the, uh, the opposition to uh, participate in the debate, and uh, we are determined uh, to move uh, this, uh, this act forward so that all the measures that I've been talking about uh, will become law and uh, will be implemented across the country. Um, the, I guess the second issue that uh, I'm going to be working on is, is um, engaging with my counterparts. That is to say, uh, the ministers of finance, uh, prov the provincial ministers of finance around the country, and I've, I've started that dialogue. I've, I've um, uh, had meetings with, uh, with the governor of the, uh, the Bank of Canada. Um, I've spoken to uh, uh, the uh, superintendent of financial institutions. Uh, and I'll be going, as I said, to Washington to meet my uh, international uh, counterparts. Uh, there are a whole range of, of important issues that we'll be talking about domestically and internationally. And um, the, the, I guess the third thing that I will certainly be working on in the, in the first 100 days is listening to Canadians. I mean, we're going to have, of course, an extensive uh, pre-budget consultation process, which is done every year, but I want to uh, start... Uh, start my dialogue uh, with Canadians uh, right away, and I'm, uh, I'm going to be doing that uh, in various uh, parts of the country. In, uh, uh, with respect to reaching out to your provincial counterparts, we had Minister Souza speak here last week, and one of the audience members would like to know, have you, have, have you, have you had the opportunity to reach out to Minister Sousa yet? Yes, I, I have uh, spoken to, uh, uh, to Minister Sousa and several other uh, of my counterparts, and uh, we've had I think very uh, productive and uh, 
you know, uh, constructive uh, d discussions. I mean, they were more introductory uh, rather than uh, getting into too many specific issues. But in each case, uh, the, uh, uh, my, my counterpart did raise some issues which are of particular relevance to their, uh, to their provinces and their relationship with the federal government, which you might imagine. So uh, that dialogue will continue. And one last question. In leading to the next budget, everyone is uh, quite curious to see how a surplus might be spent, because money is always a good thing to have. So how, how is it that you see a surplus being spent? Well, this is, of, of course, a, uh, a central question. Um, it's, it's too early to, to get into uh, uh, too many details, but, you know, obviously uh, there are a number of, um, of alternatives. Uh, some will, will have us uh, focus on paying down the debt, others reducing taxes, others increasing expenditures, and you know what the balance is and what the, the, the precise uh, policies are in, in, in that respect is of course what is, is going to be part of, uh, uh, of the national debate uh, going forward um, and uh, you know very much a, a focus of what I'll be uh, looking at as we uh, prepare in, in a while uh, for, the, for the next budget. I mean the, the opposition seems to have a real interest. They must like the, the 2014 budget so much they can't wait for the 2015 one to come along. Uh, but good things uh, uh, are worth waiting for. So we're going to uh, uh, we're going to uh, of course be be talking to people, and that uh, that that issue is important. Uh, you know, it is worth it is worth um, maybe emphasizing some of the uh, the backdrop. I've talked a lot about how Canada is doing, and how. Um, and how we're, we're doing relative to, to other countries. But the international, the fragility of the international uh, financial uh, and economic situation will be a major focus uh, in Washington. Um, and, and things like um, deflation, uh, which is something that, that we haven't talked about uh, in Canada for a very long time, are issues that I know we're going to be talking about in respect, for example, to Europe, which has a, an inflation rate of of, of half of 1% at the moment, and there are certain macroeconomic consequences uh, of that. Um, you know, we, we, we need to discuss domestically the issue of the skills shortage, infrastructure, and, and productivity, and how that all uh, uh, is addressed in, in, our, uh, in our fiscal framework will be an important part of the consideration. Minister, thank you very much. You're most welcome. I'd like to now call upon uh, John Capabianco, past president of the Canadian Club of Toronto, to formally thank the minister. Thanks, Gordon. Minister, on behalf of the Canadian Club of Toronto, I wish, I wish to thank you for outlining our government's plans to return back to balance. The federal government has continually demonstrated its commitment to strengthening the economy for all Canadians. We are especially pleased that your top priority is jobs and the economy. A strong and healthy Canada relies on good jobs vibrant communities, thriving businesses, and confident and resilient families. We are hopefully under, that under your leadership and direction, the next chapter of Canada's economic success will reap many rewards for individuals, businesses, communities across our great country. We appreciate you sharing your busy schedule with us today. Please accept our best wishes in your new federal role. Minister, thank you so much. Thanks very much, John. Uh, 
I'd like to echo John's message and minister. This is not your first time at our podium. It's uh, your first time in this capacity at our podium, and we very much look forward to having you back in this capacity many more times. Our sincere thanks once again to um, the event sponsors for this event, Borden Ladner Gervais LLP, Ernst & Young, TD Bank Group, and our reception sponsor, Campbell Strategies. Uh, and don't forget to please take a minute to fill out the event survey cards as we very much do value your feedback. This concludes our television programming, which will be broadcast on Rogers TV in the days to come. We're grateful to Rogers TV for their continued promotion of Canadian Club events. To learn more about our club and our upcoming events, please visit us at canadianclub.org. Thank you all for being here. This meeting is now adjourned.